We're continuing the series in Acts called Launch. And this whole time we've been using this theme of like the space race, space travel, getting ready to send rockets up. I remember seeing them as a child, seeing, actually, I was born in 76, so I didn't get to see it firsthand, but I remember watching all the videos of rockets going up and rockets coming down. The accidents that happen on the launch pad, things of that nature. It is a tough thing to launch something, and, and this idea of launching the church is very much a part of this theme. So don't get caught up in all the space details, because these are things to help us understand the difficulties. Can you imagine how much money globally was spent to get people ready to fly rockets, to launch satellites, to land on the moon? Today we're going to be in Acts 12. This is called the space race. I titled that because I'm reminded of this race that happened between the Soviet Union and the United States. Is anybody alive before 69, before July of 69, anybody alive back then that remembers? <laughs> Sadly, there's fewer every year, but yes, there's plenty of hands that were up to remember this. And so in thinking of this theme and in thinking of this issue of the space race, I had to watch a few of the speeches that John F. Kennedy gave, President Kennedy gave. <laughs> and he pledged, what did he say? Who can do it? Who could do it? Before this decade is out, we will put a man on the moon. <laughs> so yeah, he, he made this pledge. And in him making this pledge, it was fascinating back then, all the Republicans and Democrats were united back then to make this thing happen, to put a man on the moon. But the Soviets were doing the same thing. And why was it important for the Soviets and for the United States to fight over this space race? Because the prize, there's a lot of bragging rights with the prize. There's a lot of technological advancements if you make it there first. It's a victory in the war against the United States and the Soviet Union. Well, we're not going to be talking about the United States and the Soviet Union during this sermon other than to say they represent something. It's not a one-to-one -one representation of what we're going to cover. So don't mishear me and say uh, uh, Jeremy was up there preaching about, again, the ills of the Soviet Union, and he wants to nuke them again. No, it's not that. <laughs> it is not that at all. It's a demonstration. This is an ideological challenge uh, where competing ideas want to be the one that's on top. And where we're dealing with today, we have to go way back in time. We're going to be in 44 AD. Now I asked earlier, I'll ask in, was anybody alive that remembers 44 <laughs> AD? Yeah, uh, we got one. There we go. <laughs> Oh boy, you got to check up all my facts now. So we're dealing with this guy, Herod. You've heard the name Herod. You know how many Herods there are? There's a bunch of them. Let me encourage you. If you've never done it, you should get Antiquities of the Jews by Josephus. It's a fantastic background for everything in the Old Testament, the intertestamental period, and, the, and much of the New Testament. It gives a lot of history 
So I, I would encourage you to help you to understand context better to go ahead and pick that up. Because I rely on it heavily, and I've been reading him for years, and I've been reading other historians about this time. But this guy, Herod Agrippa, is important. He is the grandson of Herod the Great. Yeah, Herod the Great, the one who wanted to kill Jesus. You remember that, Herod. Well, this is his grandson. And these guys are tied very much to the Roman Empire. And Herod Agrippa, the first here, is very much tied to the Roman Empire because he was raised over there. Because Herod, his grandpa, actually killed Herod Agrippa's dad, Aristobulus, and his brother Alexander. Had them killed. You know why he had them killed? He was afraid they were going to take his throne through a conspiracy. But it didn't happen. He killed them. And so Herod raised Agrippa as his own, and Herod said, I've got a lot of friends over in Rome, and you're going to be raised in Rome. And therefore, he had tons of connections over in Rome. And it just so happened that in 41 AD, Claudius, emperor of the Roman Empire, put Herod Agrippa I in charge of the map you see there. I'm sorry, the map you see here. Well, on either side, really. And Herod Agrippa at this time, being the grandson of Herod the Great and being now the ruler of the land, represents Rome. And he represents Judaism. And the two never play well. And so Herod Agrippa I, he's always struggling. He's struggling to win over the Jews and to keep the Romans happy this whole time as well. And to keep his neighbors happy. If you look up there at the map, you see the don't sign. And the don't sign is on Syria. And Syria is a Roman province. And at this time in 44 AD, we learn that Herod Agrippa is having problems with his neighbors. And he's having problems with the Jews because he spends so much money on Roman things. And the Jews are like, what about us? Well, let's find out some things about this Herod. He wants to win them over. If you haven't already done so, you can turn to Acts 12. Or we have the handy books. You can just open your book and look at Acts 12. And since I have over 40 eyes, and I don't want anything to go wrong, I will also read from the book. But before we do, this is God's word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we ask your blessings on this time. And we ask that you would please be with us as we consider your word, because this is your word and you've got it here for us so that we can understand it. Lord, we need to understand these things. And the reason we need to understand them, Lord, is so that we can increase our knowledge, yes, Lord, but so that we can do the things that you've called us to do and not just take this in to win trivia. So please be with us, Lord, as we consider these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Chapter 12, verse 1. We'll read 1 through 5. Now about that time, Herod the king, that's Herod Agrippa I, laid hands on some who belonged to the church to do them harm. And he had James, the brother of John, executed with a sword. You see that picture there? That's James the brother of John, this is a, an artist's depiction of it, had him killed. This is James, who was on the Mount of Transfiguration. James, the brother of John. Uh, is there more than one James in, Bible, in the Bible? Yeah, we're going to get two of them in this chapter, so don't get them confused, along with all the Herods. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter as well. 
Who is he interested in pleasing? The Jews. And if you understand the historical context, you understand he's already been assaulted by a Pharisee named Silas who, who wanted to prevent him from be, even being viewed as Jewish. And so he wants to please them. And when he sees that taking the church, people from the church, and persecuting them, and when he sees that killing James pleases them, he goes for Peter, who is their main leader at this time. Oh, and listen to this as we continue on. Now these were the days of unleavened bread. This is the time of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Every year they have it. Starting in the first month on the 14th day is the, the day of Passover. And the next seven days after that is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Guess who's in Jerusalem at this time? Thousands and thousands of Jews. So this is an exciting time to gather a bunch of Jews and to do something as the king of Judea, this Roman province, to do something to win them over. Verse 4. When he had arrested him, Peter, he put him in prison, turning him over to, the, to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending only after the Passover to bring him before the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made to God intensely by the church. He wanted to make a spectacle of Peter. He killed James and saw that it pleased them. Now he's going to wait till the Passover is over. And please understand, I made this point before, and you really need to get it. We see, I see it all the time in all these authors of history and in the Bible. Passover and unleavened bread are used interchangeably. And so with everybody coming here at this time, when the feast is over, see, they wanted to kill Jesus. Before the feast of unleavened bread began, they wanted to kill him. Because it's not right to do that during the feast, but to wait till after the feast is over and make a spectacle. You got everybody there. This is the perfect time to make a political statement, to launch himself in the eyes of the Jews. And to launch, by launching himself, he's saying, hey, I'm launching Judaism because this upstart Christianity is trying to launch itself. And what did Gamaliel say? Who's Gamaliel? Does anybody remember who Gamaliel is? Paul's teacher. Paul's teacher. And Gamaliel said, he said when uh, Peter had, uh, and John had been in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the religious rulers, and they were saying, we need to get these guys and, and stop them. We need to figure out a way to do it. When they're conferring with each other, Gamaliel says, hey, don't do anything, because if this is not from God, it'll die out itself. But if it is from God, we may find ourselves fighting against God. And now Herod is the poster boy for this fighting against God. We're here today, oh church, because the launch was successful. That's a spoiler alert. But here we are. And Peter was kept in prison. Oh, he's kept in, he's got four squadrons with him. He's not going anywhere. He's chained to these guys. He's kept in prison. There's no way he's escaping. But prayer for him was being made to God intensely by the church. They're praying. You see a picture here of Peter sleeping next to the guards. And they're all sleeping. But prayer is being made intensely. What are some applications from this little section? Are you praying fervently? Oh, this got me. Oh, man, it got me. 
there's so many things to do in the Christian life. This one got me. Am I praying fervently? You know, I th- how many missionaries do we support in this church? A bunch. Are we doing that? Are we praying fervently? These people are praying fervently. Peter's in prison now. The church is being persecuted now in this part of history. And they're praying fervently. And it's nighttime, and they're praying fervently. Consider the suffering church around the world, the local and global church. Our local church, are we suffering a lot here in America? I got a yes and I got a no. So yes and no. (laughs) That's probably a good way to put it. We're suffering in the way that righteous Lot suffered. Righteous Lot suffered by all the offensive things that were going on around him. He suffered by their unrighteousness and that he had to see this kind of thing every day. I think we suffer that way. Are other parts of the world suffering, the church in the world suffering in a different way, in this kind of way, the put-in-prison kind of way? Yes, they are. And what about the missionaries? Perhaps, and you don't have to tell me. I'm not going to tell you. Perhaps you're supporting some missionaries. Are you praying for them? Maybe some of them are in some pretty safe areas. And they, they, do they need your prayer? Yes. Maybe some of them are in very dangerous areas. They need our prayers. And we need this reminder. You need to be praying. We need to be praying. I need to be praying. And I find the things that help me best are the reminders. And my brothers and sisters in Christ who keep me accountable to that sort of thing. And then the opportunity of, hey, let's stop and pray. My wife's a good one. Let's stop and pray about that right now. Love it. We need that. We need to do it. Voice of the Martyrs. Anyone hear Voice of the Martyrs? You know, you can, one person, okay. So, uh, Voice of the mar- Martyrs is a, a two. All right, anybody get a three? Anybody get a three? Give me three. Somebody get a four. Sold. <laughs> Voice of the Martyrs is a nonprofit Christian organization. Orthodox believers, not the Orthodox Church, but they believe correctly. And they have all this information about the suffering church worldwide. They help to relieve their suffering, and they really covet prayers of people. They want prayer in the church because of things like we're going to read today. So you can go check out Voice of the Martyrs. You, you can adopt a child through the different world mission funds or the different organizations to adopt a child. You can adopt some people that are out there suffering. So if the Lord puts it on your heart, and by the way, I've got applications here. You know what? You may get some ones that aren't on the slide. And that's great. So you could go there and check it out. Now, James died, though. They prayed. James died. Uh, Now, they're praying after James died because Peter's been taken. But do you think maybe they prayed when James was taken? I bet they did. Notice that sometimes the answer from God is no. Please deliver him. No. Because God has other plans. He's the master of time and space. And as the master of time and space, he also knows everything, and he manages countless variables. You don't know why James had to die, or why God says no sometimes. I know this, it's for your good and my good. So whether we live or we die, we live for Christ, we die for Christ. It's all for God's glory. And so that's what we see. Sometimes his answer is no, Sometimes his answer is yes. Let's read the next section all the way to verse 19, starting in 6. 
On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, when Herod was about to bring Peter forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. He's going nowhere. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near Peter, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. Can you imagine this is happening? There's guards asleep right there. Get up quickly. This is a miracle. This is a miraculous intervention that God is allowing here. And his chains fell off his hands. They fell off. Because God is the master of time and space and sleep, as it turns out. Ooh, we could pray for some deep sleep. And the angel said to him, put on your belt and strap on. Peter, he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow, and yet he did not know that seeing a vision. So you can kind of relate to that. So he's thinking something's happening, but not second guard. The first and second guard are not stopping. Iron gate that leads into the city of Jerusalem, which opened for them by itself. God is the master of time and space. He can open doors that are shut without human hands. And they went out and went along the one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. So there was a time when the, the angel was with him, and then time the angel left him. And when Peter came to himself, when he realized, oh, this is not a dream, he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. This is Herod's plan and all that the Jewish people were expecting. They are excited to shut up these Christians, prevent them from launching. This is a time of excitement for them, and it's a time of celebration, so it's a double celebration, because when it's over, they're going to kill Peter. And when he realized this, when Peter realized this, verse 12, he went to the house of Mary. Is there more than one Mary in Scripture? Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Well, which Mary is this? Oh, Mary, the mother of John, who is also called Mark. Look at all these names. John, who's also called Mark. When you're researching things, a lot of times I will see certain commentators get tripped up on names. People can, people can have different names, just so you know, in history. I try to hammer this into my kids so that they understand. Uh, sometimes a person's called one thing here, and sometimes a person's called one thing there. But this is cool because this is John Mark. John Mark's mom's house. John Mark's going to be important, and we're going to see here in a minute why. But they're all gathered there, where many were gathered together and were praying. That's that picture you see up there. They're, they're up there praying. And when he, when Peter, knocked at the door of the gate, a slave woman named Rhoda came to answer, and she recognized Peter's voice. She recognized his voice in the same way that Mary Magdalene recognized Jesus' voice in the garden. Where Jesus, in the tomb where Jesus was buried. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And then she said, Rabboni. 
speech. So Rhoda knows Peter's voice. Because of her joy, she did not open the gate. <laughs> that's kind of funny. But that's, that shows you. Look how excited she is. She's so excited. Oh, it's Peter. It's Peter. I got to go tell everybody it's Peter. Peter's still sitting there. I mean, this was a jailbreak. Anyone ever was in, been involved in a jailbreak where you were left at the door? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, you, you could imagine his tension. <laughs> uh, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Verse 15, they said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. If only she had opened the door. <laughs> they said, it is his angel. So I thought maybe his guardian angel had come to announce Peter's death. So they're pretty sad. I mean, it looked like he's going to be taken and he's going to be killed. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. Rhoda was right. For all you Rhodas out there, any Rhodas? Well, if you find one, she's right. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, because they're super excited now. Oh, it's Peter. It really is Peter. He described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brothers. Then he left and went to another place. I reported to James. This is not the James that was just killed, by the way. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. James, the son of Mary and Joseph. Because Joseph and Mary had other children. According to scripture, Joseph and Mary waited until after Jesus was born to... I don't want to say. But they had other children. Uh, <laughs> so report these things to James. We're going to see James in chapter 15 in three more weeks. Three weeks from now, we're going to see that James. So that's the James that's being talked about. So go and report these things to him. And then he left and went to another place. Because when you do a jailbreak, you don't stick around in the city for anyone to find you. Now, when day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. When Herod had searched for him and had not found him, why didn't he find him? Because then he left and went to another place. When he had not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. Because if you're a Roman guard and your prisoner gets away, you suffer the same fate that the prisoner was supposed to suffer. So if it's lashes, it's lashes. If it's death, it's death. It's Roman law. Then he went down from, and Herod Agrippa is the king of Judea. He's also the Roman governor. And so he exercises Roman law, and these guys are dead. Then he went down from Judea, that is, Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. So he's going to go down to Caesarea and spend time there, which we're going to cover that in a second. But let's look at some applications for this section of 6 through 19. Persecution from the state is a reality. And it's something that we must be prepared for. Even the good old U.S. of A., might become a place of persecution. Persecuted for your beliefs. Persecuted for the gospel. Persecuted because we have the message of the good news that Jesus died for sinners. And he died in their place. You know, there's no sin that you can commit that is so ugly that Jesus' blood can't cover it. 
You know Hitler? You know, no, let's scrap Hitler. His blood can cover Hitler. You know Bin Laden? It's 9-11. You know Jesus' blood is strong enough to cover the sins of Osama Bin Laden. And that was one of the people I used to pray for. That he would come to know the Lord. Saul turned Paul. A great persecutor of the church. Came to know the Lord and was an amazing asset. But they're assaulting. The government is assaulting. And we must be prepared. Even in this Christian nation. Which it's a more pagan nation. And we are Christians living in a secular nation. And we need to be prepared. God is our only rescue and not the state. If, if you've been alive as long as I have, you should know that, yeah, you're, you go vote. Go ahead and vote. They want your opinion. Give them your opinion. Go vote. But that's not going to save you. If you're sitting there waiting for, well, once the Republicans have everything, we're safe. Or if you're a Democrat, once the Democrats run everything, we're safe. You're never safe when you're trusting in state. You're safe in trusting in God. He's the rescue. He did a divine rescue here. He blinded their eyes so that they could not see as Peter walked away. Do you think if they were awake and there was no angel and Peter just loosened his cups that he would have made it out of there? No. This is divine intervention. God is the rescue. And through the prayer of his people, God intervenes. So we must band together in unity as they were united with each other and took care of each other. Notice that Rhoda didn't then run out and tell Agrippa, hey, Peter's fine. You don't inform the state. It is not wrong to hide from the state in persecution. When you read about the early church and how the early church was persecuted, and we see it here as a principle here, it was fine for Peter to go, Peter to go and run and hide. Peter's going to wind up in Rome. Peter's going to have such an influence on so many people for Christ. Your job is not done until they've totally caught you, and the answer is no, like with James. And then your job is done, and then you have but one duty left, and that is to die for the Lord if you must. But until then, it's not wrong to hide from the state in times of persecution. But if they catch you, it is never right to deny Christ. All right. The religious Jews are not fond of Caesarea, including glad Now, with the people of Tyre and Sidon, look at in the province of Syria, in the land of Phoenicia. He's very angry at them. We find in reading Josephus that he's also very angry at to go to the biggest cities. He actually takes us to Beirut. And so he's angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and with one mind they came to him, because this is what happens. If you read Roman history, 
It's all fun and games to be a Roman, an emperor, a Roman leader, to go to a city somewhere and then to have them uh, have these great games and parties and all that. But when you're in a place of high profile, here come all the complainers and all the petitions. We need your help with this. And uh, the, even the Herods do that sort of thing with the emperor. Oh, emperor, we need your help. So here he is, and he's having to deal with them coming to him and having one over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, that is Blastus, was Herod Agrippa's chamberlain, uh, head, of, head of his bedchamber. They were asking for peace because their country was supported with grain from the king's country. So they want peace, and this is the perfect time to do it. And look, Caesarea, it's not far from Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are up the coastline. So this is the time to do it. And it's, it's always good to win over somebody in the king's cabinet to your cause. Especially when food is involved. And especially if we recall that in the previous chapter, Agabus, the prophet, prophesied that there was going to be a famine. And so this is definitely a time to secure some food. The famine's going to happen next year in 45 AD. This is 44, so we're still safe, but trouble's coming. On an appointed day, after putting on his royal apparel, Herod took his seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. The people repeatedly cried out, The voice of a god and not a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. What a silly story. There's no proof of that. Except for there is. And this is a lot of times why you see in the Bible it may say Herod. They know who the Herod Agrippa is who died after that speech. This was a very well thought out thing by Herod Agrippa. He has a Josephus. Go read Antiquities of the Jews, book 19. And check it out and you'll find it in there, this account. Because he talks about it as well. So Herod has this awesome royal garment. It's got silver interwoven into it, so it's going to be very reflective and shiny. And if you see up there, this amphitheater is the very amphitheater, Roman amphitheater in Caesarea, where Herod gave his speech. Behind him you have the Mediterranean Sea, and as the sun rises up, and as he's giving this big speech in the morning to these people, the sun is shining on him, and he's sparkling, dazzling. This is what Josephus records. And they're praising him. This whole thing is in there. And then he realizes that he's going to die. His stomach is in great pain. And he doubles over. And he says to them, I, your God, now will die. He's taken away and he dies five days later. And eaten by worms, putrefaction of his flesh causes maggots. Well, let's talk about something else. He died, but here we see, uh, verse 24, listen to this victory. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and be, to be multiplied, because you can't stop the word of the Lord, as Gamaliel even told them. We may find ourselves fighting against God. And Barnabas and Saul returned when they had fulfilled their mission to Jerusalem, taking along with them John, who is also called Mark. That's the John Mark whose mom is Mary, whose house where this prayer was taking place. Paul and Barnabas were there because they were sent there from a church in Antioch. And they had all sorts of gifts and contributions ready to give to these people because a famine was coming 
and the worst place to get hurt, hit is going to be Jerusalem, and that's going to happen in 45 AD. And this is uh, August of 44 AD. So they finish their mission, and they go and they take John Mark with them. Now, I couldn't find a really cool picture, but the, this, this is the best picture I could find. Look how happy they are, the three of them. I wonder if that joy between them is going to continue. We'll find out. We will find out for sure. But let's look at some applications for this section. Vengeance is the Lord's, not yours. This man, Herod Agrippa, he was attacking the church. It wasn't Peter, did Peter go there to Mary's house and say, all right, what weapons do we have? I cut a man's ear off once. I'm ready to go. He didn't do that. He retreated. He left. God brought the vengeance. The word of the Lord will never be stopped. It can't be stopped. I, I love this verse 24, but the word of the Lord, but the word of the Lord, but the Lord. There was nothing that could be done to prevent it. No Herod, no expectation of the Jews, no enemy of the cross could prevail. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Are you supporting the work? Are you part of doing the work? If not, this is your call to action. Well, I only have money. Great. Those that are doing this, that need the money, they need your money, and if you have a heart to give it, give cheerfully. If you have a heart that says, fine, I'll give them my stupid money, please keep it. Your money is not needed. God wants to, as was said here many times, God wants to give you a gift first. Teamwork. Be on a team, my friends. Be on a team. And encourage others to join a team. The devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking someone he may devour. And he devours the one that's lagging behind, that's not in the herd. Stay in the herd. Be on the team. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this message from your word. Lord, there's so many applications, and I, I know I feel certain things, Lord, and you put things on my heart. I know that you want to put things on their heart. Would you please put the applications on their heart, even if it's not up here? Lord, that they would do the thing that you've called them to do. Lord, we greatly need your help. You're our only hope. We cannot stand up against a state if the state hates us or our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering with that now, Lord, in many, many countries, in the Middle East and in China and in other places, Lord, where they are being persecuted. Oh, Lord, our hearts are with them. Would you please protect them? Deliver them, Lord, if it be your will, and use them in a mighty way. We thank you for this time, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.